Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. All right. All right, guys. Good. Good. Good to see you all. Hey, for those of you who don't know Aaron Rosh, like, that's the real her. That's not like the, the screen her. That's the genuine real her. She is that energetic and bubbly, just in case you were wondering. Uh, but I, I love what God's doing here and the leaders that God's brought together. I just want to say hi to you this morning. My name's Nathan. Uh, I already feel God doing some great and awesome things. Anybody else in the house this morning? Um, a few of us do. Um, the, the rest of the service, if you don't, I just pray that these will be moments where you really encounter God. Um, and uh, that you didn't just want to come to church today, but you actually wanted to know God more and get to know his heart in, uh, in bigger ways. But we're continuing our Kingdom Family series this morning. But, uh, so you can open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, and then, then also put your finger in uh, Genesis chapter 18. We're going to go there today. Um, as we do, I just want to draw your attention to a, f- a few things that were already um, you know, that were already announced. But number one is this Wednesday night is our community meal. Um, The fifth Wednesday of every month, uh, if if there is a fifth in the month, we get together to eat together. I want to tell you guys how important this is, that the early church ate together almost every single day. Um, And uh, we don't eat together enough, and we don't take communion together enough. We're going to do that today. Uh, But this Wednesday, I just want to encourage you to come out at 6.30, and we're going to eat together, and then we're going to hear a good word from Pastor Ed Gross. Uh, But we're going to sit at tables, maybe meet somebody new, and just enjoy the presence of God. Uh, Meals are way more spiritual than we know. We kind of rush right through them, and we make... Uh, we make the food, the, uh, we give the food all the attention, but there's, there's a tension around tables that, on God that we need to learn how to walk in, and so we want to have a time where we experience that together. And so I want to encourage you, and this is potluck style, so bring your best stuff, sign up at the Connection Center, and, and let us know what you're bringing. Um, are you guys okay with that? Like two people have signed up so far, and so I, I, think, that, I, I think we want to get more of us out. That is the dream, uh, to have meals together. You guys good? All right, good. And then, hey, here's the other thing. We didn't announce this today, but I mentioned it last week. But uh, July 4th, we are hosting another, like, fireworks extravaganza thing uh, on the Hill. We've got the same guy who did the uh, fireworks last year who were, the fireworks were pretty... uh, astounding, right? And But last year was just 12 minutes of fireworks. This year is going to be closer to half an hour of fireworks. We've rented a stage and we're going to have live bands from the area. We've got a prayer tent where a prayer ministry is going to be praying for people. We've got a corn, cornhole tournament, which I'll win. Uh, we've, got, uh, we've got, I don't know, a three-on-three uh, basketball tournament. Uh, I, I'm playing shirtless in that one and I'm definitely going to win that. Uh, but uh, there's, there's all kinds of things. We're going to have a lot of fun together and lots of food on the ta- uh, that we're going to be serving the community. And we, I hope that you all have fun, but you know why we're doing this is we're doing this because people in our town are going to hell without Jesus, all right? And so this is one of the things that that we do where we just invite the entire community, all of South Central Pennsylvania, and we say, hey, there's there's, there's more to this life than Hanover's fireworks, all right? There is more to this life. And we want to just invite people up on the hill for actually some good fireworks. We want people to see me shirtless playing sports, all right? But more than that, we, we want to just to let the community know that they don't have to be afraid of us, that we actually love them and that God loves them. So we're going to be hosting them. And so I just want to encourage you to, uh, 
uh, to be thinking right now about who you're going to invite to that that doesn't know Jesus. In fact, if you just ask the Holy Spirit right now, Holy Spirit, who do you want me to invite to this? He will. Do you know I heard on Tuesday this week that there are, here's what God's doing in the earth, that there are more people being saved around the globe than there are people being born. In other words, the gospel is spreading and growing uh, faster than the birth rate in the earth, right? So this is, and, and all I can take from that is, is that God wants to save people. And if God can do it in, uh, in Uganda, and if God can do it in Ecuador, and if God can do it in Brazil, and if God can do it in Australia, why, why wouldn't he want to do it in Spring Grove, Pennsylvania? All right, so here's, here's the heart of Jesus. Jesus says the, the fields are ripe for harvest. The problem is nobody wants to go out, he says. And I just, I just pray that God gets in our hearts that we actually give a thought to not just what does my family want to do for a, a holiday, all right? And this is Memorial Day, and we're excited about holidays. Rest is very important, but people's eternities also are important. And I want to be a church where we begin to do whatever we can to reach people with the best news in the world. And I just pray that more people would be saved in Spring Grove in South Central Pennsylvania than people are even being born in Spring Grove in South Central Pennsylvania. Amen? Amen. So even right now, let me just pray this into our hearts. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give us a passion for souls, that our hearts would be like yours still. And Jesus, you love people, you died for people, and I just pray that these would be days, God, where our heart lines up with yours, and I just pray that you would teach us how to share the best news in the world, and you give us a heart to see people saved. And so we bless you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, even as I'm praying, I feel like God's reminding me that some people are willing to go, but they haven't been trained to go. We have two books in our resource center. One is Power of Evangelism by uh, John Wimber. I encourage you to read that. I think that'll strengthen you. Another is a lady uh, with the last name uh, Pippert. Uh, I forget her first name, but she wrote a book called Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. We have that book in our resource center, and that is really like a, a, you know, just a standard on, on evangel uh, like personal evangelism, so I want to encourage you to do that. And then in our sessions, we actually have a class that we, we offer on rotation called Sharing Jesus, and I think we're just about to go into that right now. If you want to learn how to share Jesus and how to share your testimony and share your faith in Jesus, th th there's resources here for you to learn and grow. Amen? All right. Well, guys, one of the greatest ways that we can reach people is by reaching families, right? And so one of the, one of the reasons why we've been doing this Kingdom Family series is because I believe that God looks on families and he's not saying, come on, get your act together. I did so much for you. Why can't you do something for me? I don't, fit, I don't believe that that's how God is looking on families. I think that God is looking on families like Jesus looked on Jerusalem when he rode, when he was riding into the city. As soon as he laid eyes on Jerusalem, the city that stones and kills the prophets and the, the city that was about to do the same thing to him and he knew it. But he didn't ride into the city and look at them and say, oh man, why can't you get your act together here? I'm going to have to die for you. That is not what Jesus did. Jesus has a heart of compassion for people that don't know him. And I believe that there are marriages and families that you're hurting and you're broken. I want to tell you this morning that as God looks on you, his heart is hurting with you. He's not laughing at you. He's not shaming you. He does not want you to feel guilty and bad. He wants you to be transformed and changed by his power. And so we're doing this, this kingdom family series, and we're beginning to lay a foundation for what family is. Guys, family is such a mess in our day. 
Family has been uh, is a source of all kinds of pain. We haven't given the attention to it that we, that we should, yet we use family as almost like God. Like, like we have the hopes about family or about marriage or about children that as soon as I have kids or if I just had kids or if I could just get married or if I was just in a relationship, we have, we have these hopes for family that it's going to meet all of our needs and family was not made to meet all of our needs, Okay. So these are, these are days where we're trying to lay a good foundation for what family in the kingdom is. And I believe that God, in God's heart, he has a dream for providence to be a church where strong marriages and strong families operate, right? But I also believe that the church uh, should also be a place where the worst families the most broken families, the worst marriages, marriages that are maybe ended and over, marriages that are hanging by a thread, they can come and not feel shame, but get, get health and get wholeness and get healing in the church. You know the church is supposed to be like a Holy Spirit hospital, right? And so if people can't come here broken, um, then we've got massive problems, all right? This is not a club where we judge people from a distance. This is, this, is a, you know, this is a hospital where people come and get healed and then sent back out into a broken world with a new story, amen? And so this is, I believe this is a, a part of God's heart and God's dream for the church, but we've gotta have a strong families. And what I've been trying to do and what we've been trying to do is giving a, a biblical foundation for marriage and for family because I just don't think that we, we have one that is strong enough. We can give you lots of tools and how-tos, but what, the, but what practical seven steps, 10 steps to a good marriage, three steps to parenting, what that'll do if you don't have a foundation is they'll just crumble and fall and make you feel like a, a failure. We have to build on a biblical foundation. What was God's dream for family to begin with? How does God build family? We don't define what family is ourselves. We say, we say this, God designed family. He is the creator and the designer. God, how do you want us to build family? And that's what we do. And then we experience the, the, the kingdom blessings and the kingdom fruit and all the power and all the joy and all, all the laughter and all the goodness. But it's still tough, right? Of the kingdom family. And so we've started in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, starting with verse 31 to 33. If you've been a, a part of this, this is where I started. I, this, is, this is quoting, this is a quote from Genesis chapter two, a lot of it, all right? But I wanted to start on this because I wanted to start on this side of the cross. And this is Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. And he, he is basically telling us that, the, that marriage exists to glorify Jesus, all right? So let, let me read this. It says, therefore a man shall leave, this is Ephesians 5, 31 to 33, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So we spent weeks on, on just those few verses, and I want to recap for you a little bit because it's, it's worth a recap here. Number one, we said that marriage is a covenant union. In other words, it's not a contract. A contract, you, uh, you, know, you, you bring 50% of your responsibilities and the other person brings 50% of their responsibilities and then you kind of complain at each other about what they're not doing for you. And a contract is easily broken. It's held together by a paperclip or a staple. You break it, there's a little bit of damage, not much, moving on. All right. That is not what marriage is. A lot of people say, oh, you know, why do we have to, you know, define our relationship with a piece of paper? Well, you don't. In the kingdom, 
Marriages are not held together by a piece of paper. They're not, they're not defined by a piece of paper. They're a blood covenant, you see. All right? We've completely lost this in our hookup culture where we bounce from one relationship to the next. But marriage is a covenant union. It is not a contract. Uh, a husband brings 100% in and the wife brings 100% in, but it's all under God who's actually binding these two together and having like a spiritual chemical reaction, making two people one, still individuals, but one before God. All right. So marriage is a covenant union, not a contract. We said that. And then marriage is starting a new family. All right. And so now there's, there's, a, there's a, an authority structure in the kingdom. And so a husband and wife are stepping out from the the parents' covering from their authority, and they're stepping into something new, and they're making a new authority structure together. Being led by a husband and wife together, there's a new authority. They no longer report to uh, their, their parents like authorities. They report to their parents with honor always, all right? But now the authority is they're starting something new. It's a new family, and so many people have relationship issues or marriage issues, I should say, because they've gotten married, but they've never stepped out from under their parents, and you have to do that in the kingdom. And then there's other people that they've stepped out from under their parents, and they're in a relationship, but they've never gotten married. This does not apply to that. If you will not operate in covenant marriage, you're not actually in the kingdom starting a new family with your own authority. All right? So this is, the, you, you, ha, you have to hear this. Don't complain about your parents meddling in your business if you're living with a partner, but do not have the courage to actually marry that person you're acting married with. All right? So this is, this in the kingdom, listen, I want to pray for blessings down on your relationships, but if you're living married but refusing to come other, under covenant, I, I can't pray for you until you do that. I can pray that you repent. I can pray that you'll be humbled at the altar. I can pray that you'll go get married fast this week. All right, but I can't pray, God bless this marriage that's living out from under your authority, God. I cannot do that. All right, so maybe someone, I don't have this written down, I wasn't even gonna say this, but maybe someone here that, you know the, the most godly thing that you can do today is repent and go marry the person you're living with. All right, unless that person is, is, is the wrong person then you have to break the relationship and decide to make Jesus your soulmate and your first love and trust him and start over. And he will give you what you need. All right? All right. Man, now you're getting going. Thank you. I, I've needed this. It's, it's, I, I've been scared up here. I'm crying on the inside because you guys are, are, have been hard to preach to so far. But anyway, so if you like that, you're going to love this. We, and this is all recap. You guys say, if you know this is recap, shout me down for a second. All right? You, you know? Uh, and now you're back to boring. But uh, anyway, the, uh, we talked about this, that, that the context for sex in the kingdom is covenant, marriage. All right? Now, I know how radical of an idea this is. I know how antiquated it seems. I know I've heard all of the excuses that, you know, God wouldn't want me to marry someone, uh, you know, that I haven't slept with to know if we have chemistry or not, just like, just like I shouldn't buy a car that I haven't test-driven. And that is a worldly mentality. Your sex life is not God's primary concern, all right? And the way that he has, has, he cares about it, but the way that he's orchestrated it is whether you have the best chemistry or not, you come under covenant and let the Holy Spirit do his thing to your sex life. 
all right? So, so you're starting a new family. The consummation of that family is sex. Now, when you have sex with someone, you become one flesh with them. And a lot of us need a whole lot of inner healing to break off soul ties that, that, that we've had with person after person after person. That's, that's one of the damaging fruits of this culture, but there's hope for us, all right? Just because you have lots of partners from your past doesn't mean that God can't make you new in a real practical and wonderful way and that you can have a hope-filled future. But I'm telling you, this is gonna be revolutionary, but you're gonna have to see Jesus as better than sex. In this culture, we see sex as God. And so whoever you're attracted to, that's what matters most. But in the kingdom, Jesus is God. He's the king. He's the one that gives you joy above sex. And sex has to be dethroned to second best at best. And we have to start seeing Jesus as better than it. All right. And so we talked about that. And actually, the, the, the amens really toned down on this one. All right. I get it. I get it. But I want to tell you, you put Jesus above sex, you will not be sorry, I promise you. All right? Thank you, Caleb. Uh, so, and here's, and so this is all recap. If this is new to you, go back and listen to some podcasts, okay? Download the app or get on, uh, on our YouTube channel. But then the other one we said, and I, I mentioned this already, is we said that marriage is ultimately about Jesus. Marriage is not about you finding your soulmate. It is not good. The Bible says it is not good that the man should be alone, all right? But that doesn't mean that everybody has a soulmate, that, you, that the purpose of your life is finding that soulmate. And if your marriage doesn't work, you must have married the wrong person. That is, that, is, that is obscene in the kingdom. That is not how it goes. Marriage is ultimately about Jesus where this covenant union where a husband and wife come, to, uh, come together under God. So there's a trinity in marriage. This, this covenant union shines to the world the kind of relationship that God wants to have with his bride. All right, so marriage is ultimately about Jesus and your marriage and your covenant keeping love and, and hanging in there in most cases, not every case, but hanging in there in most cases is going to display a glory in a dark world that the world needs. All right, I'll recap here. All right, and then this, so we preached on that, and then, then I preached on, on the, the culture that this type of covenant marriage operates in best is a culture of love and respect. And the Bible is very specific husbands, love your wives as yourself, and even more deeply, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So, the, the husband's call is to, is to love your bride. Like Jesus loved the church. So it's like you're putting yourself second. You're putting her first. You're doing everything that you can to take care of this woman. All right? And then it says, wives, respect your husbands. And I said something audacious. All right? I, just, I said that just like love requires grace, respect requires grace. Now, if I've gotten any pushback from, from this series, it actually hasn't been about you know, sex stuff or anything like that. It's been, it's been about this. Because there is a, an understanding in our culture that, re, that you have to earn people's respect. And to a certain extent, I get that, all right? But let me, let me push in on this one just a little bit. This is all recap, all right? Let me push in just a little bit here. But when my kids go to school um, and they come home and I ask them, how did class go? I don't say... Um, hey, did your teacher teach well? No, my teacher didn't teach well at all. I don't learn a thing in their classes and, and his or her class. And then I say, you know what? They didn't earn your respect. You don't have to respect your teacher. That's not what I say. Is that what you say? All right. 
I say, you know what? Your teacher might not be the best teacher, but guess what? She's your teacher. And I want you to respect him or her just for being your teacher. Uh, ladies, this is what I'm saying that you're supposed to do with your husbands. All of this, all of this stuff that my husband has to earn my respect, in practical ways, I understand that. But the way that it starts in the kingdom is grace, where you're giving to them what, not what they have earned or deserve, but out of grace, you're giving to them, speaking prophetically into who they can be. Yeah. All right. And I, I can tell you guys still disagree with that one. But uh, yeah, listen, try it out this week. Try just giving respect away by grace, just like, like, like husbands are called to give love away by grace. Uh, can you imagine a husband that says, you haven't been very lovely this week, not loving you. Once you become more lovely, then I'll love you. That is, that is nonsense and toxic, and, but, but so, is, so is the other side of it when we don't respect uh, husbands just because they're husbands. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm counting the amens here. I heard four. So, the, uh, all right, that's, that's good. So, the rest of us, you know, good luck. And, you know, anyway, so, um, anyway, the, hey, now, so I, I want to I discuss marriages just for, for my, my last 12 minutes here. Uh, I want to discuss marriages that feel disappointing. Or, or even, let me take it a step further. I want to talk, I want to discuss marriages that even feel impossible. And some of you are here and listen, you're like, hey, this is my covenant spouse. Like, we've been married, we're united, we're one, but we're not feeling anything. In fact, I think some of us have carried things into the marriage that are still hard to forgive. Some of us have done things in the marriage still hard to forgive. In a crowd like this, I bet you there's people living in adultery right now. Right now. Your spouse doesn't know it, your partner doesn't know it. There's things that are going on, addicted to pornography, uh, you know, undermining. There's, there's, do you guys know the story of of when, uh, when King David is dancing into Jerusalem because the Ark of the Covenant is coming in and he is disrobing himself and he's dancing like a wild man. And his wife, Michael, Saul's daughter, is watching him from a window and it says, it, it says this, it says that Michael despised David in her heart. And I think that, that that is a picture of, you know, not many you know, men come dancing before the ark naked, all right? Uh, I wish they would, honestly. It'd be way better. But, uh, the, uh, but, that, but there are things about our spouses that maybe we can cover, but in our hearts, there's a despising of them for certain things, all right? This is what I'm talking about, dis disappointing and impossible, and so I also know that there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of heartbreak, marriage is hard. The, uh, the devil doesn't care so much about you when you're not married. You know what scares him? is covenant. And he will do everything he can to break a covenant if he can. All right? And so when you get married, you actually get a new target on your back as a married couple. All right? And I've experienced it. I told you guys this, but Adrian and I had a near-perfect dating experience, an engagement experience. And when we got married, the day we got married, it's like the enemy said, okay, here we go. All right? And it is hard. All right? I'm not saying that a kingdom marriage is easy. It shouldn't be. But it's worth the fight. Amen? So, um, so we're going through pain. That's okay. Jesus is still, uh, we have access to him and joy despite pain, heartbreak, challenge, disappointment. I believe that, that God can take any attack of the enemy and actually turn it into a triumph, all right? Working, working uh, bad for good in the kingdom. 
But I want to speak to people who have lost any hope. Maybe you're angry and bitter. Maybe you actually look at your partner and despise them, and you've tried to get it away, but it just won't go away. There's a story in Genesis 18 about Abraham and, and Sarah that I want to encourage you to turn to. I'm just going to comment on it for a moment, but I also, but before I get there, I just want to tell you this. Genesis 2 and Genesis 1 says that marriage is God's idea, not man's invention. Do you hear this? So, so marriage being, if marriage was man's and woman's invention, and then we said, hey, God, can you bless it and help it out? I would not preach with authority and passion on that one because that's a man-made kind of thing. Yeah, it's okay. It's fine, but God's not really in it. You know what God's really in? is to what he has ordained. And God has ordained marriage, and he's re it's really important to him. It really matters. We didn't invent it. It was, uh, you know that, that the, the father officiated the first wedding ceremony in Genesis 1 and 2 between Adam and Eve. All right? He officiated this. He brought these two together. And then he just blessed them to rule the earth together as a team. And the enemy is trying to destroy that. But I'm telling you, God created marriage. He cares about it. And there is power that is accessible to you to keep hanging in there with it. All right. Now, so I want to talk, I want to show you what this looks like um, in, in the life of Abraham and Sarah. If you've, if you've gotten uh, to Genesis 18, that's great. And I want to give you a little backstory on this. Uh, Abraham and Sarah are married and God uh, comes to Abraham and Sarah one day and he says, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to bless you guys. I'm going to bless your descendants. And I'm going to make your descendants like more nu numerous than the stars in the sky. Every, the, he says, Every person on the earth will be blessed because of you guys, because of you too, and because of your offspring and your descendants, all right? So God, this is called the Abrahamic covenant, and God is starting something great with Abraham and Sarah. Here's the problem that they have, is they don't have any offspring to be blessed, all right? God makes this promise, and they're like, yes! I, I bet you, as soon as they made the promise, I bet you they, they thought nine months later in this baby time, all right? Well, years went by, decades went by, Multiple decades went by and still no baby, all right? Now, I, I want to tell you this. When God comes and blesses you and then like 20, 30, 40 years goes by and you don't see the fruit of that blessing, I want to tell you that you start getting discouraged. You start getting uh, maybe a little angry, maybe a little bitter, but you begin to lose hope and you begin to say, hey, not even God can do this. We're in a situation that is impossible, Right? Have you ever been there? Have you ever had maybe like a prophetic word over your marriage or maybe you had a hope or a dream and when you stood at the altar, you thought that you two were gonna be a dynamic duo. You guys thought you were gonna change the world together. Your kids were gonna all tuck their shirts in, get good grades. Your kids were gonna be perfect little angels and then you come and you, you'll find out that the dream isn't actually the reality and you start saying, God, what? What is going on here? And then God doesn't answer the cries of your heart for weeks and months and years and decades? What do you do? When, when you're like, hey, I know I got a word from God. I know I got a promise from God. God spoke to me directly, but we're not seeing anything. It's like, it's like we're forgotten. So as we're reading this, I want you to, I actually, I want to read this one passage. If you just go back to Genesis chapter 17, Starting with verse 15, listen to this. It says, and God said to Abraham, because God keeps showing up to Abraham, making him promises that Abraham doesn't see. Listen to this. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call 
her name Sarai, but Sarah. Is that interesting? All right, Sarah means princess. All right, we'll talk more about that. But Sarah, princess, shall be her name. And I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. So you need to go out. He, he tried to go out and have other children with other women, and God did not bless that, all right? But I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Do you see this? Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Now, this is very significant because this isn't a laugh like, oh, wow, the joy of the Lord is hitting me. <laughs> He's not laughing like this. This is a laugh of pain. A laugh of, yeah, right, because this isn't the first time that he's heard this promise. He's heard, if, you, if you back up, you go multiple chapters back, and God's been promising this kind of thing for years and decades. And so he's laughing. He said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Can you imagine this? God comes to you when you're 35. He says, you're gonna, there, there's nations in your wife's womb. You guys are going to bless the whole earth. Now you're 100, still not even one child from her. So this is, this is a laugh of like, yeah, right, I'm kind of bitter. This is, this is my take on this. This is a laugh of disbelief. This is a laugh of like, you know, you got to be kidding me. I've heard this before. It's impossible now. I'm 100. All right. And he said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 year, years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, the Ishmael. This is the son that he went out on with, with, with Hagar. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. So he's like, God, I didn't trust you with Sarah. I didn't trust your promise. I took matters into my own hands. Bless what I did on my own. Bless what I did on my own, God. Just please. Because so, can you imagine the, the pain of wanting a child with Sarah? But he's like, it's not happening. It's not happening. So I, I'm going to figure things out on my own. That's what he did. And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, no, but Sarah, your princess, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Isaac, interestingly, means he laughs. All right? So now we're picking things up here in, in Genesis chapter 18, where, where this is what uh, we call a Christophany. All right? So do you guys know that, that Jesus has always existed eternally? You do know this, right? He didn't start existing when he was born. Right? He, he, he was incarnate at his birth. But he has always eternally existed in heaven. Do you guys know this? All right. Angie does. No one else does. All right. But I'm telling you right now. All right. Jesus has always existed. He, he didn't. He, he wasn't. He wasn't born into existence. He is God and he has always been. And he shows up before his incarnation. Here's one of the times. It's Genesis chapter 18. It says, and the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. The Lord is all caps. L-O-R-D. That's Yahweh appeared to him. And so I would say anytime we see this or anytime we see a reference to an angel of the Lord, that is the pre-incarnate Christ showing up in history, uh, you know, bodiless on the scene. that crazy? Yeah, you didn't believe the respect thing? You definitely don't believe this one. But uh, that's okay. Hey, hey, just, just search the scriptures on your own, but don't miss this, this truth. All right? So let's, let's look here at Genesis chapter 10, though. To 12, the Lord said, this, so this is the pre-incarnate Christ. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, 
advancing years. Now, now, chapter 17, they were like 90 and 100, all right? So I, I have to imagine at least some time has gone by since then. And we know how Abraham responded to God saying, no, there, there's nations in your wife's 90-year-old womb. And he laughed, all right? But it says, now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah, all right? So in other words, she, naturally, she couldn't have children. And uh, verse 12 says, so Sarah laughed, to herself, saying, after I'm old and after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Now, sometimes, you know, people, uh, you know, define this and say that the pleasure is sexual pleasure. I actually don't think it is. I actually think it's the pleasure of having a promise fulfilled, the pleasure of actually having a child that you've always wanted in this case. All right. And the Lord said to Abraham, well, I'm just going to stop right there. All right, so, so the, Jesus shows up and says, hey, Abraham, you and your wife, I know that you guys are in your 90s and 100s now. I know I've been promising this for decades, but I want to let you know this time next year I'm going to come back and Sarah's going to have a baby. Now, Sarah couldn't have babies. You know, all the, the way of women was gone, all that, all that crazy stuff. But listen to this. What Abraham does when God says this and what Sarah does when God says this is, is they have a pain laugh at God. I just, I just wonder how many pain laughs there are in this room this morning. Just laughs of disbelief, not laughs of heaven's joy, not laughs of, God, you can do all things. You are the God of the impossible, but laughs of, yeah, right. You've let me down this long. I am not about to put any more hopes in your department for another moment. I prayed that this person wouldn't die, and they did. I prayed that my marriage wouldn't fail, and it did. I prayed that my kids would follow Jesus, and they don't. I prayed for this. You didn't do that. Now I'm living in the basement of, of some neighbor's house. You don't, God, like, you promised to take care of me and streams of living water and abundance and you shepherd my soul and all this, what not? Now you come and you tell me what I'm not experiencing and this is called a pain laugh, a laugh of disbelief. It's not a joy laugh, it's, it's a laugh that can come out of our hearts when we are so hurting that there's nothing else to do. We have no more energy to cry, so we have to laugh out our tears. So the, the laugh of hopes dashed. A, a laugh like, this is a cruel joke. Stop saying this. And I can almost feel the pain here. Like, I haven't, I haven't had this particular problem, all right? I've had other problems. But I can almost feel the pain here with, with Abraham and Sarah. Of course they're laughing. Of course they're doubting. Of course they're, you know, the, how long can you hold on to hope? How long? All right, and here, especially when the same person is coming almost rudely, you know, and here's Jesus. It almost feels like, okay, Jesus, come on. Enough is enough here. Please back off a little bit. But after we've hoped during all of our, listen, why wouldn't you give me a child during my best years? Where I had a young body and, and no jiggly bellies and love handles and like where my knees worked and I, so did my eyes. And like, well, why wouldn't you give me, why wouldn't you give me my best years with a child? Now I'm 190. Now, come on, right? You can almost feel that pain here. That after we've hoped during all of our best years, after we've lived a, a lifetime of pain, of not walking in our heart's longing and desire, now, when we're old, it's almost like, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I, I don't even know if I want the child anymore. Kind of laugh. So some can relate with desiring a child and not getting a one. Others, others have different pain. You want your kids to follow Jesus and they don't. You, your marriage has been your greatest source of pain and standing at the altar, you had different hopes. But you fill in your pain there 
and you fill in all the promises of scriptures to bless. And I think that a lot of us have pain laughs that need to come out and turn into joy laughs. And that God wants to do that this morning. And here Jesus, we're talking to Jesus and like, Jesus, why would I hope anymore when it's just, when it just hurts? And what happens is our, our disappointment closes off our heart's affections to believe and to hope and to want and to desire. And then we just start defining our life by the season that we're in. The way of the woman is gone from me. I'm 100 years old. Let's just like see what we can kind of just squeeze out of, of the end. We just fall into that. So I, I, I want to talk about this for a moment, that the way that the pre-incarnate Eternally begotten Son of God, Jesus, responds to all of this pain and all of this laughter is this. It says, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah, your princess, laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Why did she say that? I think Abraham would be saying, like, (laughs) you're the Lord. Like, you know, you've made promises to us that you haven't fulfilled and we've lost all hope. Like, you know. But listen to what Jesus says. Listen to what God says. Listen to what the Lord says. Look at verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Guys, the the marriage pain that has piled up over multiple decades that has also turned into God pain where we're disappointed at God, all right, is responded to like, hey, listen, don't laugh, believe. Well, I've been believing for decades. Now, listen, listen. God does things against our timing. God does things that make no sense to the human mind. And God would love to take a 90-year-old woman, give her the strength that she needs for a whole new day, make 90 be the new 20. God would take a, love to take a 100-year-old man that, that is, is using his cane and, you know, trying to, he wish he had little kids to kind of chase around while he <laughs> you know, goes after him. But he would like to give him the, the uh, vitality of a 25-year-old. In his late years, restore the other years. Did I lose this? What happened? Dude, I was in the flow too, guys. Come on, right? I was flowing. Gone. There we go. Man, Jesus, get the flame. I'll take this just in case. Thank you. Actually, let me preach into both. No, anyway. The, uh, um, so, so here, what, what God says, though, he says, listen, I, I know that it doesn't make sense. I know you've accumulated a lot of pain. I know that you're even laughing at me right now, but I'm just telling you right now I, that there is nothing too hard for me. And he puts it into question, though, because he wants our faith to partner with his ability. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You have to answer that question. Guys, when you look at your marriage and what you're going through, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's, a, you know, maybe it's a, you know, some type of you know, horrible thing that is, that is manifested in your home, that is in your hearts. Maybe you look on your, your spouse with, oh, just evil. You, you, have no, you don't even desire to be close to them anymore. God is asking you this morning, okay, I, I know that, I know the facts, I know you feel like I got it wrong, but I'm asking you right now, why are you laughing is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And if you're going to, if, if the, the answer to that question is going to activate faith like you've never had. So because God's forcing us, not just to, he, he's not just telling us, I can do the impossible, but he's asking, do you believe that I am the God of the impossible? 
And he's asking you to look at your marriage and look at your children, look at your grandkids, look at your workplace, look at your neighborhood, and just ask the question, hey, hey, is anything too hard for the Lord? What if my marriage could be restored? What if my kids, even though it's, see, they're prodigals now, but man, what if they would return to the heart of the Father? Imagine God. Begin to dream with God again. That's one of our core values here. We believe that God has dreams in his heart for your marriage and your life and your children, your neighborhood. And God is, God is not just telling us that he's the God of the impossible, but inviting us into the reality that he is. So our faith partners with his. And we say, you know what, God? You know what? I know I'm 100, but you can make me 20 again. I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in you. Man, I'm trusting in you. Open wombs that have been closed. You know, give new knees. Give new eyes. I'm trusting in you that, that you can do anything. And I'm deciding to answer that question with a yes. That is what Abraham and Sarah did. They answered the question with a yes. They said, you know what? Nothing is too hard for the Lord. I know that we've been hoping for decades, but I also know that we're not going to stop hoping. And I'm speaking that today, guys. Your marriage may be hanging by half a thread. And I'm asking you the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? Husbands, love your wife. I don't care if you feel it or not. I'm telling you, love your wife. Wives, respect your husbands. I don't care if you agree with the preacher or not. You better do it. You're partnering with the heart of God. God can do, there's nothing impossible for him. He's, he wants to do it, but he just doesn't want to do it the way you want him to do it. That's, that's all. We don't tell God how to rule and reign. Say, God, what are you doing in my day? What are you doing in my situation? How do you want to do this? What kind of new narrative and story do you want to write that's going to, be, that's going to go down throughout history and generations that people are going to look back thousands of years later and say, this is how God came through for Providence Church. This is how God came through for Nathan and Adrian. This is how God came through for filling your name. But I want to leave a legacy of just faith where God's inviting me to believe despite me thinking that I lost my, my best years. Man, this is good, guys. I'm asking here, like this is, this, I really believe that, or that God is asking. He's asking us to close our hearts to doubt and bitterness and open our hearts to the God of the impossible making sure that our dreams are actually his. We're not just asking God to bless our dreams. That, that's not good dreaming. Good kingdom dreaming is, God, what's on your heart? Your dreams are going to become my dreams. We're dreaming with God. So you know that, that a, a marriage is, is triangular, you know, if you, if you make a, a triangle. Uh, and at the top of, the, of the, the peak, that's supposed to be God. That's usually, not, usually we go into marriages and what happens if the husband's on this bottom end and the wife is on this bottom end, we go into this, you know, this horizontal kind of nonsense where, where the wife is hoping that the husband will be God and the, and the husband is hoping that the wife will be God and we're like, oh, we can't work it out. And I'm doing more than you. No, I'm doing more than you. And it's just, it's just nonsense. The way that God made it is that we, we would believe that he cares more for our marriage than we do and we would both go run at, in God's direction. You know what happens when we run in God's direction together? as we get closer to one another. We don't focus on one another. We focus on God that made us and is calling us into covenant. We focus on, we run in his direction. We get closer together. And we just don't get that. We're so obsessed with our pain that we're not running in God's direction. So when he shows up and says, I know I'm not on your timing, but I'm asking you to partner your faith with my word. We've been running in a, in, 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 horizontal directions for so long that sometimes we're like, I'm tired. Well, listen, of course you're tired of doing life on your own. 
and going to secular counselors and, you know, just trying to figure out everything in the flesh and reading a book, 11 Steps to, you know, Wedded Bliss. Then you have to read it, and then you have to say, oh, man, I'm a loser. I can't do this. Listen, l- let, me, let me close that book for you fast. You cannot do your marriage on your own. You cannot. You, you have to decide that you're going to run after God. And when he says that he's the God of the impossible, do you know that? You have to say 100%, I'm, I'm, I'm in on this with all that I've got, with all that I've got. So this morning, I... Uh, I want to call us to the table. So you can see that we've got, uh, we've got the communion element set up for you today. And I, I want to, I'm, the, the reason why we want to do this is, is because we should. It always reminds us of the, the sacrifice that Jesus paid for you and I. If you need some joy today and you're a Christian, you're in the family of God, you put your faith in Jesus as the new treasure and the, and, and the new Lord of your life, guess what? You were going to hell, now you're not. You were a sinner, now you're a saint. You, you, you were an enemy with God, but now you're a son or a daughter of God clothed in the righteousness of Christ. All right? So let, let some joy blast in your heart with that one. But I also specifically want to do communion today because I, I want to remind us in a tangible, physical way. We're actually taking, taking grape juice and bread into our bodies, remembering, guys, that God is a God of the impossible. And so husbands and wives, I, I, want, you to, I, I want you to take communion together. Like one of you put your arm around the other and I, I want you to just both take it together. Even as awkward as that feels, I want you to do it in faith saying we believe that God's the God of the impossible. And maybe you're here and you don't have a husband and you wish you did or you don't have a wife and you wish you did. I, I, I want you to take it and I want you to remind yourself that if you're in Christ, Jesus is your husband. He's got you. You're going to go at his pace and just remembering, I am, I am a son or a daughter of the king. It's the, by the blood of Jesus that I have been saved. His body broken for me. His blood spilled out. I just want you to look on his face, guys. And I want you, to, want you to say, God, I have been trying to make an earthly relationship my treasure, and I recommit my heart to looking on you, and you be my treasure. You be my treasure. And I just tell you this morning, I believe that God's going to meet you in this, and he's going to carry you. So the, I just want to give you a moment here just to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. And then, then, then I just want you, we've got a table here, table here, table here, table here. We've even got a uh, one over here where we've got kind of... Um, you know, it's like the old school stuff where it's like the wafer made of chemicals that you kind of, you know, pull that back. Or if you want to eat the plastic, go ahead. You're eating plastic anyway. Uh, but uh, the, uh, if, if you want to do it that way, you can. Uh, however you want. We got that there. We got these here. But I just want you to come and listen. I want, I want you to preach to your own heart today. Jesus is better. He's paid for me. If all he did was pay for me, that would be enough. And today we're just going to, we're going to welcome the miracle power of the God of the impossible into our hearts as we just look on his face. So come, come, take the body. Remember his broken body. Take the cup. Remember his blood for you. And I'm just going to pray a blessing over this. And you're going to take it on your own today. I'm not going to lead you through it. Just on your own. So Heavenly Father, we come to the table today remembering the, the body of Jesus broken for us the blood of Jesus spilled out for us. Lord, we are, we are resetting our hearts today. We ask for a reawakening, a reawakening in our hearts today. We ask for uh, uh, heaven's oil to pour into our hearts today and that you would reignite our hearts with 
the reality that you are the God of the impossible. We celebrate the salvation that we have in you, but we celebrate what you are pouring out in this hour, God. And we ask you, God, we, we just cry out to you today. Come help. Come help. Your children need your touch today. Marriages need your touch today. We look on your face as our greatest hope and our greatest aim, our greatest goal. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.